You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. chapter 12 verses 35 to 48 and can be found on page 846 of the Pew Bibles. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose masters whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at any hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, The Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at a proper time? It will be good for the servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time coming, and he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat the drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready and does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Good day, everyone. Uh, good to be with you tonight, and I encourage you to uh, have your Bibles, uh, page 845, uh, 846, uh, as we unpack that together. Always great to have your Bibles open, checking, thinking, uh, and then, yeah, as we go through it together, uh, and thinking of your own questions about what this is all about. So, I finally got around to cleaning out the gutters on the house at home a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Uh, It was long overdue, it was very long overdue, and because uh, our block uh, slopes down quite a lot, every time you come to the house you can see the gutters, and they were pretty bad. They were clogged full of leaves and that muddy, silty uh, dirt that gets in there, and it had been a long time. Some birds had even built a nest um, in the eaves there, and so there was all of these sort of sticks and different bits and pieces that they'd collected. So I thought, look, this is enough putting it off. I need to do something about it. So uh, I got the ladder out of the garage. I got this little tool thing that I've got for cleaning out the gutters, and I got a bucket for putting all of the, the stuff into. Uh, and then, of course, I went inside, put on my suit and my tie 
to do the job. No, no. See, it doesn't work, does it, that image? Cleaning out gutters is a dirty job. Clambering around on a roof, you need good shoes. No, so I went inside, I put on my old clothes, I put on my, my boots with good grip on them, I got dressed so that I could do the job properly. I got dressed uh, ready to serve, if you like. And that's the expression that Jesus gives us uh, in the passage that Steph just read to us. So in the first, the first lines in that passage, verse 35, are, be dressed ready for service. Be dressed ready for service. So as Kirk said, we're continuing this series through Luke 12. We're thinking about trusting God with everything. We're thinking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how following Jesus involves the whole of our life. Every single thing uh, of our lives needs to be given to Jesus in his service. And um, we've thought about having fears and trusting God with our fears. We've thought about uh, what it means for our money and our possessions and how we trust God with those and are generous with what we have. We think about, we were thinking last week with Kirk about uh, worrying, worrying about things, particularly worrying about food and clothing and where they're going to come from and being able to trust God and not to worry about those, those things that often um, fill our minds and we're concerned about. Uh, if you want to listen to any of those talks, they're all on our, our podcast, um, so I'd encourage you to sort of listen back to those. And through this chapter, Jesus' teaching has been pretty challenging you know, to think about what we do with our money and our possessions and how we use those for God, that's a pretty challenging thing to think about. We're quite a materialistic society and so giving over those things uh, for use by God is, is a big call. Um, but in a way, what Jesus says in our passage today is even more challenging because he's not just talking about stuff. He's not just talking about our possessions and our things, but he's talking about our lives, how we use our time, how we use our energy, the decisions we make about the course of our life and whether we're going to use our lives to serve, to serve Jesus. So it's a challenge for us as we come to this passage. And as Jesus often does, he makes the point that he wants to make in a very powerful way by telling a story. So the story that he tells is about servants who are serving a master. And the master has headed off to a wedding feast. Now in Jesus' time, in Jesus' culture, weddings didn't have sort of a set end time. If you get invited to a wedding these days, you know, let's say it starts at 7.30, um, the reception starts at 7.30, you probably think, oh, things will be winding up, you know, 11.30, midnight, probably get away. Um, you know, the couple want to head off for their honeymoon, so kind of know when it's going to end. But in, in this time, there was no real set end. A wedding ended when it ended, when people felt they'd had enough. And we know uh, from history that often they would go on for a week, maybe even longer. And so this master is at the wedding feast, and at some point he's going to come home and the question is, will the servants be ready for him? Will they be ready when he comes back home? It could be daytime, it could be nighttime, it might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be in a week or so. Will they be ready when he gets home? And it's clear 
in Jesus' story that he represents, Jesus represents the master in the story and we, if we're followers of Jesus, are the servants. So verse 40, if you've got your Bibles there, sums that up pretty clearly. In verse 40, Jesus says, You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus often refers to himself using this expression, the Son of Man, that's how he talks about himself. And he's talking about him coming back. And he says, you also must be ready. Now, Peter does ask the question there, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And maybe you got a bit confused by Jesus' answer. Who's, who's this referring to? But the point that Jesus is making is that everyone who is one of his followers is a servant and is represented by the servants in the story. But people like Peter and others who are leaders in the church have particular responsibilities. He refers to them as kind of managers who maybe oversee some other servants as well. And he'll go on to give a bit more detail, which we'll look at in a moment, about the extra responsibility that they have. But the point is that Jesus is the master, and if you are one of his followers, then you are one of his servants. Now, let's just stop for a second there and just apply that to ourselves. This is sort of the simplest um, basis for the story, if you like. Do you often, do you think about yourself in that way? Do you think about your relationship with Jesus, that Jesus is the master, the boss, the Lord, and that you are called to serve him? Is that how you think about your relationship with Jesus? Because we'll often talk about being friends with Jesus, or we might even think about Jesus as our brother, and they are true ways to think about that relationship. The Bible speaks in both of those terms. But it is also true that Jesus is the boss and we are to serve him in our lives. The most basic summary of Christianity, if you want to sum up what Christian faith is all about, you can do it in three words. Jesus is Lord. That's the simplest summary of Christianity. Jesus is Lord. It's a way of... uh, I guess, summing up the reality that we're taught in the Bible about Jesus. That in Jesus, we have God himself who comes among us as a human being, as the person Jesus, and lives amongst us. He lives a life that is the perfect life. He shows us the way to live life well, live life abundantly, with good relationships, and to do things in proper relationship with God that through Jesus' death on the cross, we're offered forgiveness, complete forgiveness. He takes the wrong things we've done and the failings in our lives upon himself and he deals with them on the cross. And then he rises from the dead. He defeats death to give us the hope of life that goes on forever. He defeats evil through his death and resurrection. And he then goes up into heaven, he ascends back into heaven, and God the Father puts Jesus in the position of authority over the entire universe. We're told that there is no other name 
in heaven or on earth more powerful than Jesus' name. We're told that every single knee must bow to Jesus and every tongue confess that he is Lord, to acknowledge Jesus' lordship. So at the heart of the Christian faith is the acknowledgement that Jesus is the boss. And Jesus' story challenges us as to whether we acknowledge that in our lives and whether we're willing to serve him who is the Lord of all things. Now, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge to us as to whether we'll acknowledge Jesus as Lord and it might hit us in different places depending on where we're at tonight. Maybe for you this is something that you've never done. Uh, you might be exploring who Jesus is, what he has to say about himself, but you've never come to a point where you've said, I recognise that Jesus is the boss and I want him to be in charge over my life. Um, it's a big call to make. That is a big decision to make because it, it changes fundamentally every single thing in your life if you do that. Um, maybe you're not at that point yet. Maybe you say, look, I'm still exploring that. I need to be sure who Jesus is, whether the things that you've just described about Jesus are true things, and whether I'm willing to give my life over to Jesus and do that. Um, can I encourage you to keep searching, keep exploring, keep testing that to get to a point to decide whether you're ready to do that. But maybe you are there. Maybe you are there, you've been on this journey looking at who Jesus is, but you've never actually committed and make that, made that decision, but you might be ready to do it now. It's very easy to do. It's as simple as praying a prayer and saying to Jesus... Jesus, I recognise that you are the boss and I want you to be the boss of my life. I give my life to you to serve you. You can pray a prayer as simply as that. Um, if you'd like to, our prayer ministry team would pray that prayer with you later in the service if you want to do that. Or I'd love to chat with you if you would like to talk through doing that. And if you have done that quietly here just now, please tell us because we'd love to celebrate with you and talk about the next steps with you. But acknowledging that Jesus is the Lord, the boss, is not a one-off thing. Maybe you did that years ago. What does it mean day to day? Well, we've all got to be constantly bringing our lives back to Jesus as the Lord and giving over our lives to him um, all the time. Particularly at points in our life, I think, where there's decisions that need to be made or we've got choices that lie ahead of us, what does it look like to say, Jesus is the boss of my life? So for you guys who are at school, you know, you, you start to make choices about subjects that you're going to do um, you know, from, from year eight or year nine. And you start to think about, well, what am I going to use my life to do? What am I going to do in, in my life? The challenge for you guys is to think about what does serving Jesus look like as you make those decisions and as you think about all of your life that lies before you. For other people sort of studying or entering the workforce or for people having career transitions, hitting retirement, at every point really along the way, there are times where new avenues open up, new decisions need to be made 
And the challenge comes back to us, what does it look like for Jesus to be the boss in this situation in my life? Am I going to lay these things before him, ask him what he wants me to do, and ask him what the best way to serve will be? Uh, When I was at about um, 21, I had been studying and I had decisions that I had to make. I'd been doing some studies in law, psychology, and I had the possibility of, of ministry as well. And at that point, I really had to come and lay it before Jesus and say, what do you want me to do with my life? I was making relationship decisions at the same time. I was thinking, how do I honour you, Jesus, and serve you with my life? Now, we're we're all at different points, but we've constantly got to be coming back and asking Jesus what it looks like to serve him. So where are you at right now? Do you think about Jesus as that master and you as his servant? What are you laying before him and offering him as you think about serving. They're important decisions to make because as we see in this story, we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And so we don't know how long we've actually got with the decisions that lie before us. The whole nature of Jesus' story here revolves around the idea that they don't know when the master's going to come back from the wedding feast. Uh, And Jesus confusingly throws in another image there about a thief who's going to break in because you don't know when thieves are going to come back. I mean, if someone's going to break into your house, they don't send you a text saying, hey, um, just thought I'd pop around and rob you. Is that all right? Okay. Because then you'd get ready. You'd be prepared. But the point is we don't know. We don't know when the master is coming back from the banquet. And Jesus is saying, you don't know when I am going to come back. So after Jesus' death and resurrection, he he does go back into heaven, but he says to his followers, I'm coming back. And 2,000 years have passed and we're still waiting and we can sort of think, well, let's just get on with life because it seems like a long time and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Actually, some people try and work it out, you know, when Jesus might be coming out, predict the future as to when the return of Jesus will come, which is really dumb because Jesus himself says, I don't know when it's going to be, only God the Father knows. It's, it's dumb, but it's also missing the point because Jesus is saying, you don't know when it's going to be, therefore you need to be ready all the time. You need to be ready all the time. I mean, any one of us could die unexpectedly either. Even before Jesus comes back, we don't know how much time we've got. Things happen. And the challenge is, When that happens, when we come face to face with Jesus, will he find us serving? Will he find you serving? Now, some people will say, well, when Jesus comes back, he might find me serving, but only if I'm rostered on something at church that day. We can so limit what it looks like to serve Jesus that we only do it when we're rostered on to do something. Um, At a previous church, let me emphasise it wasn't at this church, I went up to someone one Sunday who I knew was on the welcoming team and I said, hey, there's this new family sitting down the back. Do you mind just going and saying g'day to them? Because no one's talking to them at the moment. And this person said, sorry, I'm not rostered on for welcoming today. They'd so limited when they were going to serve to when they were on a roster. You might be asked the question, well, will Jesus find you serving when he comes back? And you might say, well... If it's between 6 and 7.30 on a Sunday night or Wednesday night 7.30 till 9.30 when my life group meets, 
then I'm sweet. I'll be serving God. Because we can limit sort of what it looks like to serve God as when we're doing spiritual things or when we're involved in church activities. Um, but that's ridiculous. What happens if Jesus comes back when you're at school or when you're at work or whether you're doing something else not within those limited hours? Will he find you serving? Uh, there's this thing that we uh, talk about sometimes called the Sunday-Monday divide where we can really limit the Christian parts of our lives, the Sunday parts, and separate them off from the rest of our lives, the Monday parts. We can put the Christian stuff in one box, the rest of our lives in another box, and the two never meet. But the challenge from Jesus here is, if he could come back at any time and he wants us to be serving, then our Christian life needs to flood through and fill every single aspect of our lives. We need to be serving Jesus when we are at school. We need to be serving Jesus when we're at work, wherever we might be, our relationship with Jesus, Jesus being our Lord, has to come through into all of those areas. What does that look like? That's a, that's, that's a big topic to uncover, but here's a helpful way that I think we can do better at it. We can change our mindset by making sure that we are giving over those parts of our lives to Jesus and seeking to serve him as Lord. So you could do it like this. When you turn up to school or to the work site, or you sit at your desk, um, pray a little prayer, something like this. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the ultimate boss that I'm serving today, and I want what I do and what I say and what I think to serve you and to love people. Please help me do it. It's a very simple prayer, doesn't take very long, but it's about acknowledging that all of our lives need to be used in serving Jesus. Uh, actually, an idea that's occurred to me over the day is this language of being dressed ready for service. You could actually do this as a discipline as you're getting dressed in the morning. So when you're putting your school uniform on or your work clothes on or whatever you're doing for the day, that as you're getting dressed, you could say, Jesus, I want to get dressed to serve you today and use it as a prayer, as a discipline, as you're dressing for the day to give over the whole day to him. Because we don't just serve Jesus in set times or when we're doing Christian things. It's got to be a whole-of-life thing because he could come back at any time and will we be serving him? The reason that matters is the last part of Jesus' story, that when the master does return, depending on what he finds his servants doing, there are consequences. It matters whether we're serving Jesus. So those who have been faithfully serving him and are ready when he comes back are commended by Jesus. We're told there in verses uh, 37 and 38, it says, uh, it will be good for those servants. And you've even got an image there of the, the master putting on his old clothes and serving the servants. And later on, to those who have been managers and done a good job, he says, I put you in charge of my possessions. He sort of gives them more responsibility because they've been so faithful with what they've done. And it's an image that you might like to picture of coming face to face with Jesus whenever you meet him, when you, when you die or when he comes back, coming face to face and Jesus looking you in the eye and saying, well done, 
You've been a good and you've been a faithful servant. I know it hasn't been easy all the time, but you've been so faithful. Well done. How awesome to hear those words from Jesus, to know that we've been faithful in serving him and loving people in his name. The flip side, though, is that in Jesus' story, he says that there are consequences for unfaithful service as well. And there's three categories, if you unpack it there. There's people who do active evil. There's kind of people who are just lazy. And then there's people who are ignorant. They kind of don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So you've got the servant there, verse 45, who beats up the other servants and who gets drunks, gets drunk. And the consequences of his actions are extreme. We're told he's cut into pieces, which has to be symbolic because he's then also assigned a place with the unfaithful. Hard to do when you're chopped up into little bits, right? But he's punished in some way, and then Jesus says, do you know what? You're not even one of my followers. He's kind of cast out of his presence. Now, you might read that and you think, that's, that's pretty harsh. Would Jesus really do that? I thought Jesus was supposed to be loving. How can he judge someone in that way? But it's absolutely essential that Jesus does judge. Uh, and I'm glad that he does. If you think about it, what we're talking about in that little uh, example there in verse 45 is someone who has been put in a position as a leader within the church, who has been given the responsibility of caring for other people and they use their power and authority to abuse those under their care and mistreat them and do it for their own gratification. So Jesus is speaking about exactly the sort of evil that we've seen uncovered recently in the Royal Commission where people have abused their position of power and taken advantage of those in their care. And Jesus says, it's not okay, and when I come back, I will judge that, and I will punish that, and I will say to those people, you are not one of my followers. You are out. You've muddied my name, and there are consequences for your actions. Now, of course, there is always a chance for us to ask for God's forgiveness. If we've been involved in evil, whatever we've done, Jesus' death offers full forgiveness, but we need to turn away from those actions and say sorry to God, repent of them, and ask for his forgiveness, which he freely offers. But there are consequences for evil actions. That's the extreme end here, but Jesus also says, look, there's also laziness that could take place. This is talking about people who know what Jesus wants us to do. We're kind of well enough taught from the Bible and we've sat in church for long enough that we know that Jesus is asking us to do things, but for whatever reason, we don't do it. We can't be bothered or we decide to do our own thing. And Jesus says, well, I will judge that because you know what you're supposed to be doing in serving me. There's also the person who's kind of Ignorant, they, they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing and so they're not judged as, as harshly but there is still judgment there. There's a, I guess, there's a requirement for us to not stay in ignorance, to keep learning more of what Jesus would ask us to do and to put it into practice. 
So the challenge for us is, where are we at in our service of Jesus? It matters because Jesus will weigh up the way that we've served him. Let me be quite clear here. We don't earn a relationship with God by serving hard. That comes freely through what Jesus has done for us. We're saved by grace. We're saved by what Jesus does. But in following Jesus, he will also look at the works that we've done, having started to follow him. How have we used what he's given us? And he sums it up in a really challenging, this is very personally challenging for me, verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I'm challenged by that because I feel like I have been given much, personally, and I've been entrusted with much. Living in a country like Australia, materially, in terms of the things that I have, I've been blessed, I've been given a lot. But spiritually, I've been given a lot as well. I feel like I've been well taught from the Bible, I've been given models in my life of what it looks like to follow Jesus. I've been put in a responsible position as a leader within the church. I feel an immense joy and privilege to be your pastor and the leader of this church congregation. But the challenge for me is, having been given all these things and entrusted with all these things, what am I doing? Am I serving faithfully? It's a personal challenge for me. And maybe you feel the same as you think about what you have received. How are you using it to serve Jesus? What are you doing with what you've been given? It's not just a personal challenge. It's also a challenge for us as a church. We are a church which has been given a lot and entrusted with a lot. You know, we're a large church. We always have great music in our services. We're well taught in our life groups and in our churches. Materially, we have a lot. We've been given buildings that we can meet in that people who've gone before us have paid for and and given us. We have a lot. And the challenge is, what are we doing with it? We could sit very comfortably and go, gee, it's nice, let's just enjoy it. We don't have to do much, just enjoy what we've been given. But Jesus says, to those who've been given much and entrusted with much, much more is expected. The challenge for us is how we're using what we've been given. Are we reaching out with other people with the good news of Jesus? Are we being sacrificial? And as as a new generation of this church, laying a foundation for the future in terms of what we'll pass on to others? What are we doing with what we have been given? To those who've been given much and entrusted with much, We need to use what Jesus has given us to serve him. There's a challenge for us to be faithful, faithful servants of Jesus. It's a challenging teaching, so let me pray as we commit ourselves to that. Jesus, we thank you that you are Lord of all things, that you are a good Lord who we can serve. And we pray that you would place on each of our hearts what it is that you want us to do at this particular point in our lives. How can we best serve you? How can we take what we've been given and entrusted with 
and use it as best we can for your service. We ask that you would strengthen us and help us to do this. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might serve you. And we ask it for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 